Welcome to the We Are Next podcast, advice and insight from all over the advertising industry to help you navigate your career with confidence. I'm Natalie Kim. And I'm Pan Lim, co-founder and creative director of Kinetic Singapore. And thanks for listening. Hi everybody, it's Natalie and welcome to episode 11. This week, I've been doing a ton of outreach to professors, student groups, department heads at colleges all over the country, just to make them aware of We Are Next as an available resource. And for anyone who's sent out a lot of cold emails, I totally feel you. It seems like it shouldn't be so draining because all you're doing is sitting there sending out a similar email over and over again. But I think because Something about putting ourselves out there and and sort of holding our breath, waiting for a response is just so tiring. So anyways, feeling a little drained. I'm recording this on the Friday before um, the Tuesday that this comes out. I'm getting really, really excited for my upcoming trip to New York City in a couple weeks. It's been a little over a year since we moved from New York to LA, and I cannot wait to get back to the city. We have a bunch of really amazing podcast guests scheduled to record, and the plans for the We Are Next and Friends meetup are coming together. So you're, if you're in New York City and want to come hang out and grab some FaceTime, we're looking at Saturday, uh, October 14th in the afternoon. So reserve that time and look out for the official announcement and invite on social later this week. I'll include all the links to our social channels in the show notes so you don't miss it. Our guest, Pan Lim, creative director at Kinetic Singapore, is a giant name in Singapore in the design and advertising world. But you'd never know it by talking with him because he's really one of the most down-to-earth people that I've encountered in a long time. And I love that his advice is almost philosophical and super thought-provoking. And I think there's just so much good stuff in this episode. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So let's get to it. Enjoy. So thank you so much for having me here in your awesome space. Thank you very much. I'm happy to have you here. Actually, I'm quite excited about this session. We connected through Edwin, a a former coworker of both of us who's awesome and you know he put me in touch with you and you're actually the first person I'm talking with in Singapore. I've only been here for a day okay. um, but I'm so excited to sort of get to know the scene here a little bit better. I really have not that much information about um, the type of work that, that you do here but also in general kind of overall the industry in Singapore. So I'm really excited to talk with you today. Yeah, I'll share with you uh, whatever I know and whatever, whatever within my knowledge, yeah. Great. Yeah. So your story of how you got started in the industry has been really well told here in Singapore, but for people in the States, it might be a little less known. And rather than tell, have you tell the whole story all over again, mm-hmm. I wanted to focus on like really specific moments. Yeah, please. So first, you talked about how, or you've talked about in the past, how you struggled in school early on. When did you allow yourself to kind of let go of that and just pursue art, something that you really clearly excelled in? If I can put it uh, in in the most honest way, I was, I had nowhere to go. It was my kind of like my last choice mm-hmm. or in, in fact, uh, being my last few choices is really uh, what happened. But for the fact that I was also very fortunate, what happened was um, after I failed my A-levels, which is an equivalent to, I'm not sure back in the, in the States, but, but it's Maybe the SATs or something. Like yeah, okay. I mean, just before I head to the university, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I finished my A-levels and I wasn't interested in studying. So, in fact, I was very bad with studying because I had no idea why those subjects are for. Yeah. But how does it really apply to my day-to-day life? Right. So I had no connections with whatever I was doing. 
So in fact, I, I felt quite badly that uh, I, I had nowhere to go. So I, I went to serve in the army, which was compulsory for Singapore citizens. Mm -hmm. So during my term there, one of my good friends that we took uh, so-called portraiture in school, she had an option to go to U University, but she decided to go and pursue design, or back then we called visual communication at Temasek Poly. So when she went there, she one of the days where we caught up, she told me that, uh, asked me to try that. She said, you probably would like it. Mm -hmm. So I, I so-called applied and after I went in and it was really something I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And from that day onwards, I knew that probably that was something that I was looking for all the time, but finally found it by accident because I, had, I really had nowhere to go. So actually I was even thinking after army, I would just go and just get a job and that would be what I would do. Yeah. I wouldn't really care which industry I'm in. So it was a stroke of luck that my good friend Ling told me about this. And in, in a funny way, she's now in, in our company still. She's been with us for more than like coming to like 15 years. Wow. So she's like our head of design here. Yeah. So yeah, so that was the story. Yeah. That's so fortunate that, you know, the one thing that you really excelled in you know, you could be so passionate about and that, you know, just almost by accident, like you said, accident. you sort of fell into it and found it and then it found you. So that's, um, that's really amazing. Do you feel like you're, I mean, you've been well awarded here in Singapore and around the world. Do you feel like your success in design and advertising has made up for those early struggles? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, actually, I, I do not think that uh, awards are the bench, only benchmark for success. Yeah. I think... I've always told people who, I mean, maybe this is the first time I'm, I'm sharing it uh, on air like that. <laughs> yeah, I think success is measured by when people you work with ask you out for lunch. That is to me my mm -hmm. kind of success. Mm -hmm. Because when, whenever you are like so-called the boss or the employer of the company, nobody wants to eat lunch with you. Yeah. You'll probably be the only person and maybe you'll probably go lunch with the, the, the top Right. Maybe your senior management or something. But that's to me a failure. Yeah. To me. So to me, I have people from anywhere within the company and we ask each other out for lunch. And when we go for our lunches, uh, it's not just talking about work, we talk about anything. Mm. And to me, I define that as my my definition of success. That's really refreshing to hear, yeah. just fostering those relationships yeah, and that be culture. Because, you see, we spend so much time here, so much more than I spend, spend time with my two kids and my wife. Yeah. So if I'm not spending quality and interesting and fun and meaningful time here, right. then that is a failure to me. Even though, let's say, I've won like hundreds of awards, right. uh, the company is making a lot of money, right. but the soul is not there to me. So right. I measure that as my kind of success first. Right. Then, of course, when everybody's happy and everybody have the same vision as we all have, because I don't think I, I'm the only one that, that, that set the vision because I talk to them so much. So as so much so that the vision becomes our vision. So when it's our vision, we will strive towards that together. Like for instance, uh, it's no surprise that uh, we know that there's a slowdown in the economy. I, I think it's a global thing. Yeah. But so much so that uh, even for a small company like ours, we can feel the general slowdown and everybody's vision here is to make sure that we work hard. If it's a new business, we get it. Right. If it's a, a client that we've worked with, make 
better work for them so that you know we will continue doing good work with them so that we can maintain a sustainable future for the company. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a vision. Then when it comes to creating good work, we have always believed that if we can make our day-to-day work good and those day-to-day work uh, gets rewarded, be it awards or something, then those are bonuses. Right. It's all so, connected if you think about yeah, it, right? Yeah, like in order yeah, to yeah. be unified in the vision, you have to build that yeah. trust and connection yeah, and yeah. wanting to hang out and have lunch together yeah, that yeah. leads to, you know. Other things. Yeah. So uh, it, it also leads to um, when people will step up in times of crisis mm. because, because in the end, we are all fighting for the same thing. Yeah. So I think that's one, at least the way I, we do things here. Mm-hmm. I've never felt that, oh, it's because you are, you, are the, you are a fresh grad, so you get a shitty brief. Yeah. Whereas the senior guy get the best brief. No. Everybody gets the same brief. Maybe that's also from the past experience I had when I first graduated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to, uh, uh, I would say, a big company. And of course, the juniors will get to do the junior work. Sure. And um, the seniors will get to do the seniors' work. But then uh, I, I felt why. I, I mean, in my mind, I've always thought why. Because, I mean, anyone can contribute an idea. And if, let's say, your idea is being chosen, you can still pair yourself up with a senior and work together and you learn, right? Mm-hmm. That is how you will ensure that there's continuity mm-hmm. in terms of talent right. in the company. Yeah. But I, I just didn't understand why the big companies don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. So... That, that, I, I wasn't like, it wasn't like something troubling for me. It was just more like, why? Mm-hmm. So when I was given the opportunity to uh, start this place uh, with a few close friends, I think that was the, the few things that was in my mind that mm-hmm. if, we, if we were to do this, there would be a lot of things I would do differently. Yeah. I wouldn't go for um, the seniors working on interesting brief or something I won't. I will not do that. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we we came up with this or rather I, I came up with this idea of um, everybody everybody gets getting the same brief. Mm-hmm. Everybody will work on the same brief and we will all meet and we will all talk about the ideas that we have. Then we'll do a voting. So and the one with the highest vote gets presented to the mm-hmm. client. By doing so it means a few things. I've actually uh, given up my power of CD ship here. Right. Right? Because my, my idea, the idea that I like might get the lowest vote. Right. The one, the idea that I hate most could get the highest vote. Right. But by doing so, you are also sharing and also giving the team the notion that their views and their, their point, point of vision mm-hmm. matters. And I think that is something that... Uh, I believe most agencies will not be able to do right. because it takes a lot of courage, yes. a lot of trust, uh, a lot of uh, belief to tell yourself that I'm just giving up uh, yeah. whatever so control I have and I'm leaving it up to a bunch of could be very junior people, could mm-hmm. be mid-level to senior people. Uh, but I don't mind it. It's yeah. really clear to me hearing you talk why people would be invested in working here and with you if they're allowed, if they feel that, you know, their idea is on the same level as yours or has the same opportunity to get in front of the client as yours. I can see yeah. why people would work really hard and yeah. yeah and, like, and we have probably the lowest turnover rate here in Singapore. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, although I've never made, 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 made a survey or anything, but you see guys come here, they are, they are here like a minimum time of, 
I mean, we have guys who come here and they, they, they leave after two years. We have that. Sure. But, but those within actually three, four months, I already know they will, they will end up leaving. Mm-hmm. I will know. Because I've been doing this, uh, I wouldn't say long enough, but I'm a very observant person. So sometimes I might not be in the conversation, but I watch from afar. Yeah. Because that's, that's how, in a way, uh, I, I, this word is a bit strong, like, Parenting is like, mm-hmm. it's like I have kids, I don't want to control them totally, but I need to watch them from afar. Right, right. I need to watch them from afar so that I don't get in, get in their faces. Yeah. But when in times of need, you need to be in their faces, you need to be there. Right, right. So it's the same theory actually. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, so, so, I mean, with, 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 with that thinking, um, I, I found that it was uh, a lot better because uh, there isn't really structures in the office of course there are structures sure. of course i can't be 100 percent transparent right. we can't but i try my best to be as transparent as possible mm-hmm. so back back to the turnover so we have guys that leave within two years then the rest are like five years seven years mm-hmm. nine years 13 years 15 years wow. so i don't know i mean they they stay staying longer is comforting for me but of course it also in a in a long period of time, it gets costly, right? right. Because people get more and more senior, and they, you know, get get more pay. Sure. But somehow it it doesn't really bother me that much because I'm happy. Mm-hmm. So you see, it's not really hundred percent about money as well. Yes. Yeah, it's about you. you see, um, I, I have two of my uh one of my CD here mm-hmm. and uh senior at AD. They 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 are couples. They they came in separately, but then when I hired uh his girlfriend then. Then uh, they got married here. Now they are on long leave because they just given birth to a baby boy. So these are experiences that I have seeing them growing up as lovers, uh, married guys, and now they become parents. These are things that um, I I feel priceless. So I will give up all my awards just for this. Yes. Because these are things that not many people can lay claim to. Right. You can, I mean, you can talk about how good you are at work. You can talk about how many accolades you have won. Yeah. Somebody who have won more than you. Right. Somebody who have cracked better work than you. Somebody will be richer than you. Somebody will be everything better than you. Mm-hmm. But there's one thing I feel that I will be better than the rest will be this, probably this satisfaction I have. It's not really about just creativity. Mm-hmm. It's just about how we live our life every day and feeling happy that we are just doing this and we, have, we build good relationships. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. I wanted to go back to how you started and get like a little bit tactical about something that, you know, I read about, um, you know, in your past interviews, you've talked about building your student portfolio oh, yes. when you're coming out of school and you and your now wife yeah. were very entrepreneurial and approached, you know, local businesses and offered up your design services for, mm-hmm. you know, like brochures and flyers and business cards and stuff for a fee. And I think as students, it can be intimidating to approach people when you're just starting out, when you don't have much experience. So sure. I was wondering if you could think back to any tactics you used to sort of convince okay. businesses yeah. to work with it, you just starting out. It was very, it, frankly, it's still very clear in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I, I was born, or not born, the, the life experiences I had even as a teenager uh, maybe did help me. Mm-hmm. I, was, I consider myself a, a, a bit like a naughty boy. I'm a bit <laughs> rebellious. Yeah. Uh, and 
I like to take my chances. When I was young, I do stupid things. Uh, so hence, that equals to me not really being afraid. Mm-hmm. Because I always ask myself, what's the worst that can happen? The most, I get scolding. Yeah. The most, I get detained. The most, I always ask myself the most, yeah. I will get this, the most, I'll get that. So that was the backbone to maybe the spirit I had. So when I want to do something, unless I know that it's really principally wrong, morally wrong, I will not do it. But as long as I feel that it's something that I'm not really causing any harm, mm-hmm. and then I will go and try, probably. Yeah. So, and because back then when I was in design school, I, I mean, just now earlier I mentioned, I, I knew I found something I wanted to do. Yes. So I was very concerned with um, portfolio. Because I realized that actually what we're working on is just portfolio, right? Whether you graduate or not, actually it does not matter. Right. So, since it does not matter whether I have a certificate or not, it means that I need to take care of the work. And I look at the syllabus, everybody's working on the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can work on a different brand, but the brief is the same. Right. So, aren't we going to graduate looking at the same thing? <laughs> so, that is the first thing that came to my mind, differentiation. Mm-hmm. Which is what we need to do, right? Even now, if I'm working on a brand for my client, if everybody is saying the same thing, I wouldn't recommend my client to go in and say the same thing. We have to say something different. If it's possible, remotely different is good. If sometimes, you know, certain products, the values are pretty much the same. So, you just need to find a fresher way to say it or a more insightful way to say it. Things like that. So back then, as a, a, as a student, the whole idea was how do we make our portfolio different? Mm-hmm. And the only way you can make it different is everybody is student work, but yours is real work. Mm-hmm. Because a real work will definitely be... Okay, you, because I asked myself, if I'm an employer, I would rather hire someone in who already know how to talk to everyone, to sure. the printers, he's almost auto, autopilot. Yeah. You want that or you want somebody who comes to you every three minutes and asks you something? Mm-hmm. So that to me, I know was the, at the age. And plus, I had the drive to really work long hours. Yeah. You see, there are many things. Some people would like to finish their homework and they want to go and watch a movie or yeah. something. There are sacrifices that you have to make. So for us, during our free time, we'll go... I, I mean, I spoke to Claire, I mean my wife, and mm-hmm. we said, I told her that I'm, I'm afraid that our portfolio will look the same like the rest. Not really same, same. I mean, we still can design better. Sure. But... If you have real work, and plus you can design better, and you right. can present yourself well with guts and all that, it's not difficult to get a job. Yeah. In fact, you can even ask for your conditions that you want mm-hmm. at, to a certain degree, right? right? So that was the backbone of the thinking. And we just went door to door. I, I mean, of course we were afraid that we might screw up the project, but hey, we're only offering $50. Right, right. So what do you expect, right? right. So to me, I think it's not wrong. I gave you fi- I, I, anything for $50. Yeah. And, and I told them that we were students. We just want to improve our skills and improve our portfolio. Those were all the truth. Right. So those who wanted to take a chance on us, which is like a $50 bet for designing right. and maybe production and another five to $800 for mm-hmm. whatever print job they're doing, it's still very cheap. Yes. It's within like one, one, two K, right, which right. a small business can afford. So yeah, in short, it was just like that. So in the end, we collected many projects and I was very aggressive in taking part in all competitions, local competitions. Yeah. So, because in earlier days, a lot of competitions come with uh, money. Mm-hmm. If you win the, that logo, you get paid 3K. So, that 3K, me and my, my girlfriend then, we invested into buying books. Right. We invested back into what we love instead of like, you know, going out and spend the money. So, we reinvested building our library. We invested buying a better computer. So, back then, 
probably because of all the failures I had, I became very mature. Mm-hmm. My objectives were very simple. Let's build a portfolio and just be a good creative, right. be a good designer, be a good art director, so and so forth. Yeah. I think there's so many good lessons in that. Just, I mean, from what you said at the beginning about, you know, just it doesn't usually hurt to ask when you think about it, you yeah. know, like, doesn't. you know, usually the risks are smaller than, than you think. And, and to get that kind of crash course in like yeah. real client work yeah, early on, then, yeah. you know, it clearly puts you like ahead of everyone. Yeah. Know? So you mentioned a little bit when, before we started recording, actually, um, in, investing in younger talent and you talked about it about, you know, here, how you, you know, everyone gets the same brief. And I know you've been involved in educating and mentoring kind of the next generation of, of sure. creatives. I know that's really gratifying work to you. Are there certain skills that creatives starting out today um, need that weren't as much of criteria when you were starting out? Mm, I think uh, they are still pretty much the same. The only thing I, I sense there's a shift uh, of late, not really of late, but of maybe the past, past three, four years. Mm-hmm. But I do not think it's a wrong thing. I think every ge- generation uh, behaves differently yeah. for the fact that because... Uh, our lives get better, right? The reason why we fight so hard when we see a new policy being enforced and we are not happy is because you know that will affect our next generation. Mm-hmm. But the more we fight, we are actually actually creating a more cushy life for them. Right. So every generation will be better off, in my opinion. So uh, I've started seeing students or young fresh grad when they come in, I think the questions they ask during interviews, they are, they are totally different. Mm. Those who... In the past, a lot are more concerned about the kind of work they do. Now, the questions we get are a bit different. They ask about work-life balance. Mm. They ask about working hours. They ask about weekends. Do we work weekends? They ask about um, things like that. Mm-hmm. Not 100% just about the work anymore. It yeah. talks about uh, more about their life as well, their time here and all that. So, I, but you see, you can't be... You, myself, I, myself, and fellow employers out there can't single-handedly change a generation. We can't. The only way you can work with this is to understand why they want this. Mm -hmm. By understanding why they want this, and you ask yourself fairly, can you offer them certain things that they can can see as well? Mm -hmm. And if you can, then, yeah, that's the way you have to work moving forward. You're not going to change that anymore. Because if you're going to be in this business... For another decade, I'm very sure the newer people you meet, they are going to ask you certain questions right, as well. Right. Based on how, you know, how, 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 the, how the society changes. Right. So, I've never had that imagination that one person alone can change a generation. I don't. <laughs> yeah. It's stupid. Yeah. Yeah, it's stupid. So, what I do is, I think what's, I imagine what's fair for them. Because when I, just fresh when I was a fresh grad, I'm very sure my seniors spoke the same of us. Mm-hmm. Saying that you see this new batch, now they don't sketch anymore, they start work right on a computer. Yeah. Where's that visualization and all that, you know, that kind of thing. So, every generation has a way of working. Mm. Work with that. Yes. Don't work against that because you're not going to win. Because one person cannot change the world to me. Mm-hmm. So, that's one change I see. Yep. And the other thing that I feel that will be of a huge challenge is not just for the new, uh, new, new generation or whatever, but it will be because of the accessibility of uh, creative work at our fingertips. Mm. So 
Google is such a powerful search tool and all, and so many people put up good stuff on Pinterest, yep. on their own design blogs or, or, or design sites. So when you go there, you'll see tens of thousands of great work. It means that knowledge is easily shared and which means that whatever is done before, you can see that it's done before. Mm. So there's no excuse. They put out some work that say, oh, I, I didn't know this was out there. Right. By, a, by a search of uh, timestamp, you know who did it first, right? Right. So which means that originality will get harder and harder. Mm. So it's good and also bad. It's good, it's good for people who really are original. Mm-hmm. It will be bad for people who are just style masters. You know, yeah. because if you look at it, oh, I've seen this before, then you can't further the thing anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think that will really get very difficult for, for moving forward in this industry. It will be very difficult because everything has been done before. Right. All the nice things are all out there. You can see at a single click of a button, you see everything. So that is usually what I share with, uh, even I go to schools, I tell, the, I tell the students, I mean, it's good to do your research, but end of the day, what is the thinking behind your job mm. or your project? Mm-hmm. Because if your thinking is not strong and it looks like whatever I can find on Pinterest, then it's nothing really. Yeah. yeah. We see that in culture too. I think there's a series on Vimeo, I think. It's probably on YouTube as well. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's called, I'm forgetting the guy's name. I think his first name is Kirby. I don't want to butcher his last name, but he, it's just this guy and he did a series of videos called Everything is a Remix. And he oh, looked okay. at film and music and took a bunch of cultural examples and showed how everything sort of plays on a version of something else and you know putting putting two things that have already been done together to make something new and very much to what you're saying about you know originality of ideas and execution kind of finding that balance between yeah drawing inspiration and there's there's a lot of benefit to being able to see all this stuff on the internet and being exposed to all that but then also the the challenge that that presents to you yeah. in coming up with your own yeah. ideas. The, the only good thing that you can take out from this is you're not alone yes. in this challenge. You know that everybody is facing the same challenge. Yes, very democratizing. Yeah. <laughs> On a related note, is there something that differentiates the advertising and design industry here in Singapore or I guess more broadly, you know, Asia Pacific? What do you feel is unique about it? Uh, I'm not sure I can speak for Asia Pacific, but... Uh, over here, I think it's almost like two camps. Mm-hmm. So for kinetic, we are a little uh, in. We are in a funny position because we kind of like uh, we are like a hybrid of both. Mm-hmm. So I I I do uh, get in touch with the design community, the people. I mean, part of it. I won't say the whole community. Sure. And I'm also in touch with the community for the advertising guys. So that's what we have been because we have loved both things from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, it just got better of late because I think when I first started back in nineteen ninety nine, you are ever you are either advertising or you are or you are design, mm-hmm. and all the designers hate the work coming up from advertising mm-hmm. agencies and advertising agency folks couldn't stand design work. Yeah. They say, oh, it's, it looks nice, but there's no idea. Then the other one is, okay, there's idea, but there's no craft. Right. So it is always this two debate. And in my mind, I, I always go, why can't it be both? Yeah. Why can't it be both? But then that also explains maybe in the earlier years, we, we struggled because our work wasn't advertising, nor was it design. So mm-hmm. it wasn't widely accepted, let's say, uh, in the beginning where I was 
let's say trying to do some work that I thought was interesting but then when I submit for for award shows it wasn't very well received Mm -hmm. probably because it didn't look like neither Mm -hmm. so but then I realized as the years moved on the lines got blurrer and blurrer and now currently we are in a good good place where we've been doing since day one which is a hybrid of everything because I I serve the idea that means the idea is my master I serve it and I will put it in a relevant media that I think works best Mm -hmm. not because oh I I, I love posters do I going to do a poster no I don't so I'm quite free form in, mm-hmm. in our thinking. Mm-hmm. So back back to the, the community. Sorry, I always like no, I was right. I was straight, okay? I was straight, okay? That's that's the problem with me. Oh, so um if if you ask me now, yeah, uh, there's still this separation mm-hmm. in a way because like you have design events, you don't really see the advertising guys there. Yeah. You have advertising events, you don't see the des- design folks there. So if you ask me it's still pretty separate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, but it's not really a bad thing, bad thing, because I can see that more of them do uh, are acquainted with one another, more and more so. Mm-hmm. So I think the design and the advertising industry, they are actually already blending together. Because sometimes maybe some advertising agencies have certain specialized design work. They will go out and look for small, like maybe design companies to yeah. come in to help. So that itself already uh, so-called break the ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of uh, collectives, I want to talk about your collective with your family. Okay. Yeah. It's called Holy Crap. It's an art collective made up of you, your wife, and your two kids. Yeah. And I know you mentioned, you know, coming in to do family projects um, on the weekends. So obviously, like, I'm sure you get this all the time, but I first of all just love the idea of mm-hmm. family as art collective. Um, how do you balance your time between work at the agency and creating art with your family? Mm, there's no balance the truth <laughs> is there's no balance so yeah. um, I'm you see the problem is if you see as work then we, I will be telling people I'm working 24-7 sure. but I don't really see as work work mm-hmm. so I'm not really working 24-7 mm-hmm. so I mean even f- using this interview some people might see it as work I don't yeah. I don't I see it as a I'm learning something from you, mm-hmm. from your questions. It reaffirms certain thinking I had maybe five years ago. Right. And today it's changed or maybe today is still the same. So that is still a learning for me. Then I know, okay, maybe after five years, I still feel the same way. Mm-hmm. But there are some subjects or some questions that sometimes I feel differently five years ago and now. Yeah. And these are all priceless learning because if no one presents this question to me, I wouldn't go and think about it. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's not work. It's just about this is part of growing yeah. this is part of uh, the process of being a creative so same thing so if I'm working with my family um, you see the output is a creative project yes. but that's not what I'm interested in mm-hmm. I'm more interested in the process mm-hmm. because it's the difficulty of getting everybody together that's the part that usually turn people off yeah ah, you have to call them you have to arrange you have to make sure yeah. after their homework then you know you find time and do this and you know sometimes they are tired they will grumble and right. But you see, that is the part that is the important part. Mm. It's not the output. The mm. important part is the part where we bother to arrange something and that arrangement happens. Because a lot of times people will, okay, let's arrange this to happen, but you know it didn't happen. Right. So committing that time, 
making sure the kids understand that when we say okay, we are meeting tomorrow <laughs> to brainstorm for some stuff, we make it happen. Be it 20 minutes, be it 40 minutes, be it 5 minutes. As long as we meet up and we fulfill that commitment to one another, it teach, teaches them commitment. Mm. That's all. Because you see, a lot of people these days, they are not committed. They are not. Yeah. Be it to work, to relationship, to serving an idea. Mm. So commitment, if you have that, and if you, even you are not talented, but you have commitment, most of the time you still see something true. But of course, if you are committed and you are talented and you are creative, then you know yeah. the story will write itself. Mm-hmm. So doing family projects is difficult because um, it's about this commitment. It's about seeing eye to eye with everyone in the family. And I mean, it's very easy because obviously in a, in a family, I will be the most qualified <laughs> creative, right? Other yeah. than my missus who stopped designing um, like some th- 14 years ago. Mm-hmm because of looking after my son yeah. and starting a family so she's now my my, my currently uh, my sparring partner at home uh, I try to share as much current creative work with her as yeah. possible so as to keep her abreast of what's going on mm-hmm. although quite bite-sized because I mean she's doing something else yeah. so then now she writes for the project mm-hmm. and we, I will usually conceptualize and I'll brainstorm with everyone and I will also allow the kids to come up with ideas and those ideas, they are good. We write it down and they are also produced. Mm-hmm. So I think this, uh, this mishmash of working with fresh young thinking paired with uh, more uh, wisdom because I've done this for years. So this pairing to me is good mm-hmm. because I do learn from them and they also do learn from us and they also can see that my relationship with my wife is close. So in their mind, they also have this idea that um, my parents are close. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, it's not a, a false image, but they do know yeah. that, yeah, they do know, do know that we are close. And they probably might take uh, what they think a relationship is about. Sure. Because you see, if, I mean, for unfortunate families where kids are brought up in a broken family, they will think that a relationship is roughly like that, you yeah. know. So I... I'm not trying to paint a false image. I do from time to time tell them that me and mommy, we are lucky to find one another that we can do things together like that. But in my worry for you is in when you grow up, will you be able to find someone that shares the same vision? Mm. You might not. So don't think that this is the norm also. Yeah. Because I want them to know the real world is not like that. Right. So, so through this project, we will always try to insert different learnings be it, uh, it's not always about art, it's actually more about life lessons. Mm. So sometimes the deadline is a bit tight. Then I'll tell them, sorry, this weekend we have to cancel all the birthday party things yeah. and we have to do this. Yeah. I mean, of course, in the beginning, it's hard for them. But as, they, as we move on, they know. When we are committed to something, we've got to finish it. Mm-hmm. The rest will come secondary. Things like that, yeah. My follow-up question was going to be how the, the work that you do with the family art collector with Holy Crap, you know, feeds into the work that you do here, but I feel like you almost answered it in just hearing you talk about the parallels of what you are talking about earlier, about yeah. the, the work even that you create here at Kinetic, it, it's sort of secondary to the relationships that you're creating in the process of making that work, and whatever yeah. accolades and awards that you get is just yeah. kind of cherry on top. Yeah. I mean, the same thing is what you're saying, you know, with the, with the art collective, where it's really setting aside that time and teaching those lessons yeah. versus the actual output of the art. And so... Yeah, I, I, I mean, to be honest, of course, 
uh, I would also want to be be frank here. Of course, certain projects when we work on it, I I know that there's a high chance that this is gonna be uh, awards worthy. I do know. Yeah. I mean, by intuition. Sure. So when I when I have that like that fifty percent feeling that this is gonna be interesting, mm-hmm. I will not let go as well. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it's about seizing the opportunity. Yes. Like hundreds of hours have been invested into this. You can let it slip away and you can also don't let it slip away. Which one do you want? Of course not to slip away. So I will make sure best of my ability and just do the best mm-hmm. from it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the other thing that I also was quite mindful about is that family project, even when we launched our zine, mm-hmm. our, our rubbish fam zine, I mean, a lot of people thought that, oh, it was an office project that the it was all designed by the office yeah. but actually it's not because behind I still put it designed by Kinetic mm. because I'm part of Kinetic but um, and I knew that probably this project uh, might have certain interest in, in, in a creative way so I, I also want to bring the company name with me sure not just my family because that wasn't the intention the intention is still this is me here Kinetic yeah. right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. holy crap is also me mm-hmm. so it, it's I'm both so it takes with me. But the thing is, no, nobody know that actually there's only one person writing and my kids do contribute the writing. But yeah. it's just me, my wife, and the person behind doing the artwork and sending the printer is just me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. so then that comes the, the question where people ask, how do you manage to yeah. do so many things, right? Yeah. Uh, just now earlier I answered, how do I find a balance? I said, there's no balance. I'm just obsessed with things that I love doing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and how do I do it is because I decide quite fast on what I want. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've met a lot of people and realized actually a lot of people ding dong on stuff. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. For me, it's back to the same thing. What's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. If you decide fast with calculated yeah. calculated uh, outcomes, right. then just do it. Yeah. I, I, I've never wasted more time just to decide whether to do or not. Mm. I've never... So I'm, I'm quite decisive and I, I believe that's one of the reasons why I'm, maybe I managed to do more. Your just mind space is freed up from not having... Because like, I'm, have, you've already made the decision. Yeah, because I, I can see the alternate op- options. Yeah. Should be... I tell them it should be like that. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, just go for it, yeah. All right. We always end these conversations with the best piece of advice that you've ever been given. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that it's the best advice, but I would say it's one of the advice that uh, I remembered. Okay. Right? Um, because I think advice are given based on many, many types of context, be it relationship, be it work, be it whatever. But I think this one is more work-related. Mm-hmm. Um, I remembered that... Uh, I was still very early in my career, probably maybe half a year into my career. Then I was then working on a television spot that I inherited from uh, another creative who left the company. So it was something that has been approved, has been filmed. My job was to continue it at post-production house. Mm-hmm. So I was just there making sure the edits was okay, the color was okay. but. I wasn't particularly excited about that project. So back then, before I quit smoking, I was a heavy smoker. So after the production, I went back to the office. It was, I think, maybe 9 or 10 at night. I was outside uh, 
outside of the office along the road, sitting down by the curb, smoking, stick after stick. Yeah. Because, because I know that although I didn't do this project, but I'm the one that kind of sign off on it and sure. it just troubles me. So maybe that gives us an inkling to me unable to tolerate bad work. Mm-hmm. It is, I, I guess I, I was like that mm-hmm. since a student, right? So I think one of my uh, seniors, uh, he walked past. He was someone that I reported to. And he told me this, um, are you okay? Why you look uh, like you look stressed out and sad and all that? I say, oh, I, I say, I, say I'm, I just came back from the post house. I wasn't very happy with everything, but I don't think I can do much. Uh, it's 90% was done, I just need to finish it off. Right. And he said, he just asked me this very straightforward question. He said, how long have you been doing this? I said, uh, less than half a year. He said, if you cannot take now what you're going through, you how, how are you going to do this for 10 years? Mm. It's just it's so simple as that. So that day, a little bit, uh, a portion of my mind changed like yeah it's true we need to be able to you know accept all the I mean there are jobs that are nice there are jobs that are starting they are nice but because of certain reasons become bad you know things like that there are just so many ways for a project to go south yeah. so I think that very simple advice uh, gave me um, it opens up my, my, my thinking a bit to ask myself to I mean, I'm obsessed with my work, but it tells me to let go a little because not everything is within your control. So, but however, that's, that's it. Um, that's why sometimes I also am excited about my personal projects, be it with my family or sometimes there are certain projects that I initiate on my own because I know that I'm probably the one that's going to control the destiny of the project. Yeah. You get I mean? If it fails, it's me. Yeah. If it's good, then okay, we, we managed to control it to what it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, probably that, yeah. That's great. It's great advice. I, I mean, I there's so many times, too, along the way that just working in, in advertising specifically, I mean, I come from the advertising side strictly, and, you know, you're working with clients, and like you said, there's so many ways for projects yeah. to, to so turn on its head, and, yeah. um, and it can feel like it's so serious and such a crisis in the moment, mm. but if yeah, you can yeah. kind of pull yourself out and see yourself on that longer time scale and realize that it's a very small blip. In- it's a small blip and a lot of problems going to happen. And even if you are working in the industry for like even 20 years, you will still see new problems that you have never encountered before. Yeah. yeah. So to me, uh, nothing is really a surprise anymore. So in fact, I think uh, keeping an open mind to be ready for surprises is also one of the skill sets. Mm. Because for me, I don't get frustrated about it anymore. Because sometimes, you see, I mean, as the leader of the shop, if I'm not cool-headed, then everybody will be, will, they'll feel it's okay to be hot-headed. Right. You get what I mean? Because yeah. it all starts from the top. Yeah, they're looking at you. Yeah, if I, if I scream and shout at every single thing, yeah. then they'll think that it's okay to scream and shout at every single right. thing. Right. But if I'm cool-headed, even at the worst, because screaming and shouting is not going to change anything, right? So being cool-headed will mean that we will find the next best solution mm-hmm. to the problem mm-hmm. and we just solve it. So for me, again, it's about that. It's about setting the example. Uh, be ready to get your hands dirty. Like for instance, um, uh, I mean, I mean, this, is, this, this isn't any question from you, but yeah. um, I remember 
um, I, I did another, uh, it was a talk mm -hmm. that they gave me a few questions for me to answer and present this to a, a panel of school principals. Okay. Because, you know, in school, it's pretty rigid in government schools. Yeah. So they're asking me how do we uh, encourage students to be less rigid. And I mean, I presented a few things to them, which I know is very not Singapore, yeah. which is the option to fail. Mm. Because in Singapore, is there's no option to fail. Yeah. You're either a good student, if not, then you are, you know, you are streamed into, a, let's say, a fire course instead of a four-year, things like that. Right, right. So for me, I felt that that was something that made people afraid to try new things. Because, any, because trying new things, there's always a good chance of failure. Yeah. But... There is, I, I feel that so far, what we've been doing even here is try new things, calculated, please, calculated, <laughs> yeah. try new things and if it doesn't go that well, learn from it. Mm. And also the other thing is about being hands-on, like uh, how do you convince that your guys should do this? Like I remember that we were before a press, uh, press, press conference for a project they were working on mm -hmm. and... Um, it rained, started to rain and uh, uh, people start walking in into the shop and the whole space was white including floors and the footprints was all over the place. So, and we knew that the reporters are coming in the next 10 minutes. So, I remember just turning around, just grabbing a cloth and some detergent and, uh, and we were all dressed up uh, because yeah. of the press conference. But I was on all fours, I was just cleaning and I, I didn't... I didn't think of anything else other than just quickly removing the stuff. But when I turn around, I see everybody doing it. So, I mean, the example is not something that I think, oh, it's, it's a case study. No, it's more like, I believe that if you are willing to get your hands dirty, everybody will get their hands dirty. Mm -hmm. So, again, back to setting an, an example, um, big or small, mm -hmm. it means something to them. It means something to them. So, I, the, sometimes the stressful thing for me is I really want to be, I hope I can be a better role model every day. So, I'm, I might do, I might make bad decisions from time to time. I do, I'm human, right? Sure. But, um, I, I put it as a KPI for myself that I try to set good examples. Not, not, to, be, not, not to be pretentious, but sure. try to like, you know, okay, what will that affect them? Will they become going out thinking that? That's why when we, let's say we win awards, I've never have a shelf, a glass shelf to put stuff. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want them to think that awards are in a shelf to be admired. Yeah. The awards is given to us just to tell us for this time and period and space in time that this is something we did well. Mm -hmm. And from there, we just move on. It's not for, for us to look at and admire and polish. There's nothing that needs to be polished. Nothing. It's just to tell us, okay, this year we are fighting internationally to be in the same space as these guys yeah. and we did okay. Mm -hmm. Then we are there. Then move on to the next project. There's no point thinking about last year's things. Yeah. So that kind of training we have here. Yeah. That's a really great way to end. Not <laughs> having both the awards but also the things that stress us out or yeah. things that go wrong like hold us down and just you know that we can keep moving forward and yeah, probably yeah. get a lot more done like you do in yeah. your life yeah, yeah have to have to yeah it's yeah really just having fun doing things to me yes yeah. well thank you so much for your time this oh thank morning. you i wanted to ask lastly where people can 
check out or keep up with you or Kinetic, like any sites or social that you want to share? Yeah, okay, so what <laughs> happened was, uh, we said, very sadly, our Kinetic website okay. hasn't been updated for coming to six, seven years. Okay, okay but the thing is, uh, we are currently working on it. Okay. We are actually currently working on it and it should be completed in a couple of months' time. Okay. And um, I can only say that previously, uh, I mean, it was a website that I felt personally that uh, was very brief at the time when we launched it. It was really, you don't see anything there. Yeah. Everything was Easter eggs. Yeah. So um, that was the project that I think Edwin worked on as well. So it was... Uh, but it was something that even until today when I look at it, I still laugh at it. So it meant something for us, but then because you see the 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 web in the website style has changed so much. Sure. So people don't have time these days. Yeah. When you come in, I just want to see the work. Yeah. I just want to see everything up front. Whereas in the past what we did was everything was not up front. Mm -hmm. You gotta dig it to find it. Right. So yeah, so you still can find us at kinetic.com.sg. However, when you go in, it's hard to find our work. Okay. But I still believe some people find it fun to dig around. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you can find us there. And uh, for for Facebook, Kinetic Singapore. For for me, I mean, I'm more active on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, my handle will be at Panlim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So if you if you follow at Panlim, then you will see most some of the office work and most of my personal family work. Great. Yeah. Great. I'll include all the links and stuff on, on our website when it goes live. So yeah. thank you again so much. No, thank you. I really uh, had fun doing this. Hope I didn't uh, no, blabber in all directions no, it and it becomes perfect. confusing. Yeah. No, it was perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. So many amazing sound bites in that episode, not just for people just starting out, but I think anyone who aspires to be a leader in their career, I, there's just so many quotes that I pulled out of that and learned from. So thanks so much to Pan. Since the interview was on the longer side, I'm going to make this outro really short. So all I'll say is to leave us a review on iTunes if you've enjoyed these episodes. Subscribe to the weekly email. It's a small dose of advice and insight delivered every Monday. And check out our new YouTube channel. I'll include the link in the show notes as always. I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week. I'm Natalie, and until next time, you got this.